0: Crosstown. I hope you've had the opportunity to do some running like that. It is absolutely the best thing in the world. If, I, if, you know how you say if you could go back and you do something, if you could control time, you go back? And some people think about, well, if they could control time They go back and buy Uh, stock and Dell in 1985 or maybe do some things uh, a little bit differently. I would go back and run more races than I ever ran. It was an absolute blast and running is just an incredible sport. Well, I want to welcome you here today um it's a great sunday we've got a couple things coming up this wednesday at seven o'clock are his, our encounter service and that's we do that once a month it's a worship time but also we go a little deeper with god we go open ourselves up to the, his word more and also to his spirit to do things in our lives and to empower us so we invite you to be a part of that and then on friday we will have our last movie night of the summer uh, and, and if you haven't brought your kids, this is the one to bring it to. We, it's really cool. We just turned this place into a, uh, looks like a giant theater. We have the big screen over there. We have uh, grass rolled out, uh, snow cones, um, bouncy castle, gaming for older kids. Uh, it really is a great time. So we encourage you to come. It's free. It's a great way maybe to put that little signature on the rest of your summer with your kids or, or with your grandkids. And then at the end of the month, this is a really spiritual thing that I need you guys to really be praying about, is our Cars and Coffee. We'll be hosting Cars and Coffee here at Crosstown, and I want to let you know all cars are invited. You can have, um, it doesn't matter what you drive, what it looks like, we invite you to bring it. Oh, it doesn't matter if it's fast or not. I will be there with the Subaru Outback, yes. I will be there front. I probably will make a Subaru section where just Subarus can be, you know. So uh, let me invite you. It'll be a great time. You say, well, why would a church do cars and coffee? Well, first of all, we're giving all of our coffee away free. But anytime you can get people to see that living life, enjoying life can be also equated with a relationship with God and that, it, you know, being on a church property doesn't, uh, you know, Mean you're, you're uh, religious or anything like that? We want to do that. So come on out and be a part of that. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, so this summer has been our getting our second wind. And scripture always uses running as an allegory of the Christian faith, which I love. I've been a runner all my life. Well, no, I'm, I'm still living in the past. I've been, I was a runner most of my life, competed at a pretty good level uh, in the Massachusetts area, loved cross-country running. I was a two-miler by trade. It's what I enjoyed doing and absolutely loved it most of my life. Um, but the Apostle Paul saw it as a really good correlation of the Christian journey. So he writes this letter, the second letter to the Corinthians, because they experienced what runners experienced. Called hitting the wall. There's a point where, whether it's the adversity of the run, the heels, the pace, lactic acid builds up in your, in, in your quads or parts of your body, fatigue begins to happen, the oxygen, uh, VO2 exchange that takes place and that makes the whole dang thing work just starts breaking down, and, and all of a sudden you find yourself just burnt out. Well, this was what happened to the, the Corinthians. They had received the grace of God, sounded great, they believed in it, they were walking in it, but adversity came along, life happened for them, and then they found themselves hitting the wall, and they were out of energy, and they needed a second wind. They needed the grace of God to kind of be recultivated in their lives. So out of 2 Corinthians 4, verse 16, the Apostle Paul says this, So don't lose heart, and though our outward self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed or has the capability of being renewed day by day. So, this summer has been a time that we've opened ourselves up to the wisdom of God to just breathe refreshing into us, to re energize us. Uh, though we want to be de afflicted, we want affliction out of our lives and difficulty and conflict. Sometimes we don't get afforded that economy. So there's gotta be a way that you can refresh your life even in the middle of the adversity that may be happening around us. So last week we learned about the importance of a good running partner. If you're going to get better in running, you've got to pair yourself with somebody that has the same objectives and goals in running that you have, that take the training seriously and want to not only better themselves but they want to help you get better as a running individual. And we saw that it was so important, and that's true also in our relationship with God, that the greatest creature you will find in all the earth is a friend who is seeking God. That's one of the greatest things that you'll ever find, is somebody else that's running hard after God that you can come alongside of and be a running partner throughout life. But today we're going to apply that to ourselves. And we want to make it so that the greatest creature others will find in all the earth is a good friend like us, people serving God. Now, in a race, there are times when the directors of the race will want to try to attempt a world record, course record, track record, whatever it may be. Now, I have to admit, I was never in those races. There's a the difference between somebody who runs really hard and has a certain amount of talent, he can kind of get up to that A-level, but then there's the open class level that, y- you know, you're, you're born with that. And, um, but the directors will put together a race, and they'll try to go for a, a track record. And so what they will deploy is a runner called a rabbit. Um, a rabbit is a runner who has been designated to establish a record pace for all the other runners. Um, Everyone knows who it is, but when the race starts, and you may see it in different races, maybe even in the Olympics, you'll see somebody go out and they will set the needed pace for the first quarter mile. Let's say it's a mile race. This person's job is to run the race for other people in order to experience a record. Matter of fact, we have a gold medalist here at Crosstown who was the rabbit for Usain Bolt. Aileen was the one that that actually helped him establish his race pace so that he could set the world record in the uh, 200 meters. But this person is someone who sacrifices their race for the purpose of someone else bettering their race. So how does this apply to catching your second wind? Helping other people win their races will provide you with personal refreshing. I know it sounds counterintuitive, to, you know, getting better at something. But really, the Apostle Paul is about to tell this, the Corinthians, that listen, I know you're tired and you're wore out, but he said, listen, how you're going to get refreshing is going to happen differently than what you intuitively think that you would do in a moment like this. So I want you to listen to his encouragement and his instruction, and he's going to tell them about a group of people who had also had hit the wall and what they did. 2 Corinthians 8.1, he says this. We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. Wow, there's two phrases that just popped up there. Severe test of affliction and extreme poverty. Paul says that they're at the most difficult situation that you could possibly be in your life. Now, for the Apostle Paul, you know, for one guy to say they have a hard day, and then another person to say they have the hard day, it kind of depends on who the person is doing it, you know? Um, but when we listen to the Apostle Paul say that this group of people had a severe uh, test of affliction and they had extreme poverty. We're hearing somebody use that phrase who who has experienced rejection, who's been thrown off a wall and then stoned by the inhabitants of a city, who's been shipwrecked a couple times, who's been bitten by snakes, who has been jailed, who's been tortured, and who's been betrayed by his friends. So when a guy like that says, the Macedonians are under severe affliction and under extreme poverty, then we're talking about a group of people who, by all accounts, have hit the wall. But the interesting thing is he's not conveying their complaint. See, as an American, I would have written the letter this way. And please excuse my language on this, but um, I I would say, uh, uh, yeah, I know your life sucks. Uh, But let me let me tell you about the people from Macedonia their lives really suck So feel better about your life because your life doesn't suck as bad as their lives suck Okay, that's what I would that's what I would have written. I would have just written that kind of thing like Get over it. Life's bad life sucks. Well, here's somebody that sucks more than you. So you should be happy about your life But that's not what he's writing He's conveying that, what they're doing to recover. And what they're doing is overflowing in a wealth of generosity. Again, severe affliction, extreme poverty, but he's writing a letter that this group of people are are getting through that wall that they've hit by overflowing in a wealth of generosity. He continues to define it. He says, for they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and even beyond their means, of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the release of the saints. Okay, now, when was the last time you begged, begged earnestly to do anything nice for another human being? I mean, I'd be like, ah, all right. We gotta have church on Wednesday we'll do it. As long as there's no football on TV, we'll have church on Wednesday. All right, we got to do something. But this is not what they were doing. He, he says they were begging us, not for food, not for help, not for relief, but for the ability to take place in the relief of other people. They wanted to be able to help run even just a quarter of the race to help somebody else set a personal best. He continues, and he says, and this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord, and then by the will of God to to us. It's like they first honored God, and then they had some left over, and then they gave that to us. And He's like, we weren't expecting that. What do I normally do when I'm burnt out? Well, I, maybe you're like me, but here's what I do. When I'm burnt out and I feel like my resources are burnt out and dwindled, my emotions are frayed, and, and my time has been consumed, I hoard. I hoard. I hoard my time. I hoard the couch. Oh, let me just say when it: When I feel severely afflicted and extremely impoverished by the, 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 the life around me, you don't want to be the dog in my house because the dog will be sitting on the, on the end of the couch and, and I'll be like, when I come in, it's like, hey, I have a right. I am going to hoard everything. I will hoard the couch. I'll hoard the TV. I'll hoard my energy. I'll hoard my stuff. And I, we have to be honest about this. From a naturalism type of thing, I mean, when you think about biology and survival of the fittest, this really does seem the intuitive thing to do. I mean, that when, when you've hit the wall, that what you need to do is start hoarding all your resources so that you can personally recover. Now, let me be clear. Rest is important. Boundaries are even more important at times that you have to set for people in your lives. But it should not change the nature of Christ's likeness in you. It's not like all of a sudden you get to switch it into horde mode. It doesn't mean all of a sudden you get to switch it into selfish mode or or self-centered mode just because you've hit the wall. Instead, they gave according to their means, which was limited, but they still gave within their means and even beyond that. Instead of going into a rest of season defined as leave me alone or give me that, that's mine, they begged to help quicken the pace of others. This is so counterintuitive. It has to be from God because you can't make this stuff up, or at least you can't sell it. I mean, there's no way that I could convince anyone that this was something that... You know, this is so counterintuitive to the way that we respond to adversity in our lives. So he says this, this divine principle he reveals. In 2 Corinthians 9, and I love the fact that he says this little part, the point is, really does the Apostle Paul say, listen, here's the part I want you to get. This is what you need to realize because it's so counterintuitive. Whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountiful will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has determined in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. Wow. Now, whenever you find a verse that has that much good stuff in it, those are the ones you kind of like, okay, I I need to own this particular verse. And and, and also, whenever an apostle says, hey, this is the point. You may not have gotten what I just said about five verses ago, but, okay, this is what we need to land on. I mean, listen to the words in it. Replenishment, all sufficiency, all grace, reaping bounty, these are all words that come from being generous in a time of refreshing, in a time of recovery, giving into other people's lives. Even when you're in times of severe affliction and extreme poverty, you find that it actually replenishes your life. All of this comes in a time of rest when we need to invest in the races of other people. There are also other benefits that I personally have found that pay off of being generous in other people's lives at a hard time or a time of an affliction. And, and I'm, I'm actually in one of these particular moments right now in my life. And I'll tell you it just so that maybe I'm being used an example for you. But, you know, I've been dealing with a lot of back pain lately. Well, it turns out I have four herniated discs in my back. Um, and uh, I've done a lot of mountain biking, a lot of running, a lot of sports stuff like that, kayak and all that. And it turns out one of the herniations is in the two of them are in the thoracic range, which make up less than one percent of all herniations. And then I have one right on T six, which is right behind the heart. Uh, and that herniation is unique. It's not going left to the right of the spinal column. It's pressing right up against the spinal column and is endangering the spinal column for a future injury, but also it makes it that they have to open up my chest, deflate my lung in order to, to fix it. So, you know, when you you're, when you're um, been a competitor all your life, and you love extreme sports, and you love winning, and you love being fit, and you love doing all that stuff, when you get news like that, it begins to affect you in a really negative kind of way. And let me just say, you may not be having back pain, but you may, you may, you may be in extreme loneliness. You may be in extreme depression. You may be uh, suffering severe um, addiction to something in your life. You may have just lost somebody or something very important in your life. And those set up moments that could actually destroy who we are. So when the Apostle Paul finds the Macedonians and tells their story, he's telling their story to help save our story, to help us. And as I began, you know, quickly trying to deploy a new solution into my life to a new problem in my life, it made me remember something in the Navy. Uh, one of the important things about being in the Navy, and one of the things the Navy likes to do is keep ships afloat. It, it's really good for business, and it, 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 it says very successfully on, you know, the organization when they can keep their ships floating. And so, but there are times when there are holes in the ship and or compartments begin to flood. And what the Navy does is they'll, when, it, when a watertight bulkhead is compromised, it will fill up. And they will close off that department so that the whole ship doesn't sink. And what they'll do is they'll take these submersible pumps. Now, usually on the ship, there's no power because something wrong has happened, and so what they'll use is these pumps that, they'll, they'll put the pump over the compartment, they'll lower a hose into the compartment, and then they will use, one of the only things that they'll have is a resource of water and maybe a boiler that's still operating, and they'll put high pressure water that will run um, horizontally over that compartment, over that tube, that hose that's going into, the de- into that water flooded compartment. It creates a suction that a vacuum in that hose and it will begin to suck the water out of the compartment and begin to flush it out of the ship. A, a less technical example of this is something that you put out in the end of your water hose during the summer when you're fertilizing or killing bugs on your front lawn. Ortho will sell you one of these little products and you screw it on. But in the middle of that thing, there's a little, there's a little tube that goes down and touches the bottom of the, of the thing and you put a certain amount of fluid in there, but as the water goes over the top of this little compartment, it creates a vacuum and a suction, and it begins to suck all the water out of that compartment and all the chemicals, and it begins to spray those chemicals on your yard. Now, you may be wondering, how does this apply? Is that when I enter into a hard time, and you, you are probably like me, my compartments emotionally fill up real fast. And they fill up with poison. What happens when you come in a hard time? It doesn't work out the way that you wanted it to work out. I mean, to be honest with you, I was, I was planning on being a competitor till 70. I, I wanted to be on that guy that was mountain biking. But all of a sudden, the doctor tells me, listen, you know, if this surgery, if you have it, it's risky, and if you have it, He said, you can't mountain bike, you can't run, you got to sell your boat because you can't put it on the trailer, Um, and and he said, your life is going to radically change. He said, you just got to stop doing what you do. So what happens is our compartments begin to fill up. What do they fill up with? Pain, bitterness, jealousy, pity, despair. And then the one that sinks the ship all the time is anger. Pain and loneliness, disappointment, this is what happens to all of us. It doesn't have to be a back. It can be any event that happens into your life. But what God is showing me is that in order to get that bitterness out of you, in order to get that poison chemical out of there, in order to empty out that compartment and restore buoyancy to your, to your life, you're going to have to pass something over it to create a suction that draws out all that anger, all that despair, all that self-pity, and all that other stuff. And so I'm like, what is it, God? A good surgeon? No. What is it, God, a good healing? No. What is it, God? Generosity. You need to invest in somebody else's race. So you're in a time of your life where you can't run the race, but you can help somebody else win their race. And as you help another person win their race, you'd be surprised how it begins to just pull all the negative emotional, spiritual toxins out of your own life. And then you begin to feel a sense of replenishing, a restoration of grace, all sufficiency in all things at all times. I mean, the the Apostle Paul, I don't know if the word all is in the Greek there, but it seems to be implied. You couldn't have used the word all more. All sufficiency at all times and all things. That's exactly where I want to be right now in my life. If I never run on another trail, if I never get on another bike in my life, I want the grace of God to be abundant in my life. And God says, okay, I know you're hurt, but are you going to focus on your hurt? Paul, I I know you're jealous, but are you going to hoard in that jealousy? In those moments when I choose to get involved in someone's life, generosity begins to suck the poison out of my life. And again, I, this is so important. There is something worse than affliction, poverty, and pain. It is the compartments of our life being filled up with bitter water. He said, Well, the worst thing that you can be is poor. No. The worst thing that you can live with is a bad back. No. The worst thing that you can live with is rejection. No, the worst thing you can live with is failure. No, it's the bitterness that fills the compartment of the ship and destroys your buoyancy in life. That's the worst thing. And so the Apostle Paul says, hey, you've hit a wall. You're a place where you didn't wanna be. You didn't wanna be at this place in your life at this time? Okay, you wanted to do this when you were that age? Okay, you thought you were going to be this successful and your business was going to be here. Okay, I get it. But we may not, that may not get fixed. So what are you going to do? It restores our souls when we decide that we're going to help someone else's soul. Generosity is sowing that brings reaping. Generosity is experiencing the pleasure of God. Generosity is grace given that returns back to you. Generosity is giving and then receiving the grace of sufficiency. Generosity is the source of replenishment. Generosity is helping someone win their race. You know what? A good back can't do any of that. Money can't do any of that. A crowd of friends can't do any of that. But generosity into another person's life can. As we move into our moment of expressions is when we kind of have a conversation with God and you stop, you know, just hearing, but you kind of make some decision in your own soul about God and what he may be speaking to you. I am not making light of anyone's pain here. And if there's any benefit for me, Um, you know, going through what I'm going through is that God wants you to know that, that pain doesn't mean there's something wrong with you. Pain doesn't mean that he doesn't love you. Pain doesn't mean it's over for you. But like me, I hope you don't want your life to be determined by your pain. I want the delight that comes from knowing that my life has a purpose. I mean, I I don't think I can live without that. I got a boat for sale. And I think I can live without my boat. But I don't think I could live without purpose. I want the grace that comes from giving into another person's life. Why? Because I want the poison removed. I don't want to be jealous. I don't want to be bitter. I don't want to be angry. I don't want to live with disappointment. So maybe you're here and you've said something like this. I got nothing to give. It's not true. You may have said, I'm just too tired to help. It's not true. I've already done my share, it's not true. I'm just too old and broken to replenish, it's not true. Or maybe you're here and you're saying, I'm in too much pain. Well, we're here to tell you we're here for you. Let us know, because we may not be able to run the whole race for you. But we can help you run it. See, God's got a great plan for every single one of us. And there's something worse than pain and poverty and affliction and loneliness it's being filled with despair and anger and disappointment and feeling like you don't have a purpose. Today, as we take communion, as we pray, as we continue to worship, as we even as we give and give offerings during this moment, and let this be a time where you allow God to begin to pump out some of the toxic poisons in your life. You say, well, I don't got any of that. I'm 60 years old and I'm running as fast as I ever have. And well, then great. Maybe today you've learned your running's not for you. Your running's for someone else. Today, you may be here and say, well, I don't have any poverty. I have everything just worked out fine. Well, then maybe today you discover that there's something greater than wealth. It's the power of generosity, the ability to help another person finish their race. Father, we thank you for your love. And we thank you that you have shown us that life does not end in adversity, in difficulty. And just because we have hit the wall just because we're dealing with pain and poverty or affliction in our lives just because we're alone just because we're broken and dealing with addictions or we've failed you are telling every one of us it's not over that we have purpose that we have meaning and that through christ we can have all sufficiency in all things, in all times, in the abundance of your grace. Let me encourage you to come and receive the body and blood of Jesus Christ, who though for the affliction that was set before him, through his affliction, we experience the victory of God in our lives.